Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we are one week into the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason, but luckily we do have some hockey to watch as the NHL playoffs are about three days in. Horwat, how much playoff hockey have you been watching so far? Uh, fair amount, fair amount. I sat through that Leafs game. For one, e. I sat through. I, I'll be honest. I fell asleep during the first Kings game, missed them winning overtime, but also that was really late. Um, then I watched a fair amount of the second one. So it is what it is. I've watched a good amount so far. Um, it's going to be interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, Boston looks like a world eater, but then so does Florida. Uh, just trying to remember the matchups. Carolina's going to take that series pretty easily, aren't they? I mean, both games being a one-goal game there. It, it's been more interesting than I expected. The only question that I have with Carolina is, like, the question we get every spring is, why does their offense dry up in the playoffs? I don't think you can actually answer that question, even if they win this series, because is their offense drying up, or is it just because they're playing the Islanders? Like, it, it's interesting because I want to back them as a Stanley Cup favorite, but I'm just not sure their offense is going to stay consistent through an entire Stanley Cup run. So it's been a good postseason so far. Mm -hmm. It's only been three days, Uh, but we had a double overtime on, I believe it was the first night between Minnesota and and Dallas. We had a, yeah, it was the first night because we also had, or second night, I should say. I don't remember. Yeah, because it was Edmonton and L.A. as well. So it's been a good playoff so far. I've enjoyed it. But uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have not been taking part in any of that. We have a mailbag episode today. Thank you to those who submitted your questions. We're going to do that through the entire episode. Just kind of draw out these questions and dissect them as best we can. And we're going to start with Jake Levisky, who asked a question on Twitter. He said, would you trade the first round pick for a goalie, a salary dump, or a good bottom six player with term? Now, of course, all of this comes with the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins currently hold the 14th overall pick. Horwat, do you remember the last time the Pittsburgh Penguins picked 14th or higher at the NHL draft? I looked into it, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, that ninth overall pick for, don't remind me, don't remind me, Derek Pouliot? It was Derek Pouliot for the 8th overall selection yeah. in 2012, but that wasn't even the Pittsburgh Penguins' actual pick. That one forgot about that, yeah. was courtesy of Carolina, second mention for the Hurricanes on this podcast, because of the Jordan Stahl trade. So the Penguins' earliest pick since 2012, and their earliest pick since 2006 with their own selection, which was also Jordan Stahl-related, because it was actually Jordan Stahl's second overall. So the Pittsburgh Penguins hold the best draft stock that they have had in over a decade, and the best own pick that they've had in 18 seasons now the question was if you're going to trade it let's let's take out if out of the question but if you are going to trade the pick would you rather do it for a goalie salary dump or a bottom six player that's it's incredibly hard to say because they're all good options honestly and even utilizing it as a pick is a pretty good option as well depending on how you uh want to construct the team because whoever comes in to as, as a new general manager has a pretty big role to play with that pick itself um 
I'm all for taking the hard push at John Gibson this summer. And legitimately, like, I mean, for the, the last three seasons we discussed John Gibson coming to the Penguins, it was all, ha-ha, wouldn't that be funny? He's a Pittsburgh kid. He's also a really good goalie. In the back of our minds, each time we said that, though, we thought, okay, Tristan Jari's going to pan out to be a starting goalie, though. We're not worried about it. This is just kind of a little fodder to kind of just have discussions. This summer, legitimately, take that run. I, I mean... John Gibson's not getting any younger. The Ducks are believed to be fully willing to move him along or at least you know, take a look at if he is going to be part of their future or not because he is 30 years old. Um, he's not, if you trade for him, if the Penguins trade for him, he's not going to be your goalie of the future. No. He's going to be the goalie of the rest of his contract, which lasts another four years, I believe. Um, which pushes him to 34, and you know what? By the last two of that, last one or two of that, he could be a backup for maybe a Joel Blomquist if he blossoms into what he's supposed to be. So I'm all on board trading a first-round pick and something for a goalie, and especially if it's John Gibson. Um, that's just like kind of my big pitch to trade for John Gibson. Otherwise, is it the smartest move? The smartest move might be strapping it to a contract and getting it out of here. Yeah, the the one thing is, obviously we knew what, what Ron Hextall felt about utilizing the first round pick to offload a contract. He didn't like it. And we don't know how the new general manager is going to feel about that when he gets in. So I, I do believe that that would be an option. I think the worst option here is probably the mid first rounder for a bottom six player. Because I feel like it would be an overpay. Now, let's not forget the Pittsburgh Penguins did just pay their second rounder in this year's draft for Mikhail Granlund, which was a, also an overpay. But I, I just think that you're going to have to get somebody that is more middle six material. And now I know that he said a, bo- a good bottom six player with term, which seems to be somebody that could potentially be a middle six guy, maybe. Uh, but at the same exact time, I feel like it is goaltender because right now that first round pick is the best trade chip that you have if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins outside of the unrealistic pieces. Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang. Those are not realistic trade pieces. So the best chip that you have is the first round pick. And the biggest area of need, as we talked about on our last episode, is goaltender. So if you're going to try to address that, if you're going to move on from, from Tristan Jari, why not use that pick and get the best possible guy in return? I understand that logic. Now, is John Gibson worth the first? Maybe. I do like what you said there. I do like that plan of, you know, maybe Gibson comes over. He's the straight starter for two years. And then you have Joel Blomfist coming in as the 1B initially and taking over similar to what Philip Gustafson did up in Minnesota this year with Marc-Andre Fleury. But at the same time, you have to have the cap space to do it. And who are you moving out? Like, maybe you could kill two birds with one stone. Maybe it's, hey, Mikhail Granlin and the first round pick for John Gibson. But that starts to sound a little bit like we're trading our problems away in order for a solution. And that just does not happen at the NHL level. Yeah, and, you know, sure, the Ducks have a ton of cap space to work with and are in the midst of a rebuild process. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Maybe you consider the idea of maybe they take on a guy like Mikhail Granlin to A, hit the cap floor, while B, remaining as uncompetitive as possible. 
But in the same vein, every hockey team at this point of the summer goes, okay, next year we're back. At this point of the summer, they've drawn out their plans, which I don't ever say this point of summer. I mean, late April. It's spring still. The first round of the playoffs are not even uh, switching venues yet. Yeah. It's it's that early that every team looks at their team and goes, okay, here are the moves we want to do. Here are the plans we have. We're going to be a winning team next year. At this point, no one is in a rebuild. There might be some where it's obvious that they're still rebuilding, but they're looking at the team right now and going, there can be something here if we execute. Um, so who's going to take a Mikhail Granlund deal to, re- to help with their quote-unquote rebuild or just hit the cat floor, whatever they need to do? It's just not going to happen. So <clears throat> you're right, you do need the cap space for it, and I'm not even sure if John Gibson's the best option. I just kind of threw that one out there because it's been the... It's the loudest option, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's the loudest option. It's been the, and plus it's been the name that we've followed and said this guy for how many years now. Mm-hmm. There's other names that have cropped up ever since. Karel Vimelka comes to mind. Uh, other names are not coming to mind. But Jeremy under- Swayman is still uh, still at the top of my list. But again, restricted yeah. free agent. Boston's future, former first first round pick. It's going to be hard to get him from Boston's clutches. But that's that's the name that I will say every single episode if I have to until either his contract is signed or the Penguins just pull the trigger on an offer sheet. Yeah. And we'll see what exactly happens between then and now. Uh, but I think if the goal, te- if trading the first round pick for a goalie is the best option, I am on board with that. You do just have to fit the cap space and that might involve just figuring something out with another player. Here's the thing about, trading the pick in general I know that wasn't the question but I I do want to say this before we move on to the second part of the actual question in the segment here trading the first round pick cannot be for something okay it cannot be for something mediocre if you're trading the first round pick it needs to be a 85 to 90 percent sure chance that that player is going to work out for the Penguins and going to help them next season as well because the last time the Pittsburgh Penguins had a pick this high they traded it to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it was the 15th overall selection after the Penguins bowed out of the playoffs in the weird bubble year when they lost to the Canadiens. That was a really deep draft. The one player from that draft that I continue to think about that we discussed back then, and I believe it was Jesse Marshall of The Athletic came on the show, and he was like, hey, this kid's going to be really good. If he's still available, then the Pittsburgh Penguins should be all over him. I don't believe he was available at 15. But Anton Lundell has been so good the past two seasons for the Florida Panthers, and he was drafted in 2020. There is something to taking the pick and making the pick when you're this high, especially in a draft that is considered as deep as this one is in the first round. The last time we had a first round that was as deep as this was 2020, and a lot of those players are already making an impact in the NHL. I'm not somebody that's sitting here saying I want to wait two years in the future to get somebody in. And if that first round pick can sincerely and severely help the team next season, then trade it. Like I'm, I'm mostly on team trade that pick, but at number 14 overall before the, the draft lottery, they could bump up to four. They have a 1% chance to bump up to the fourth overall pick, which would be ridiculous and insane. But I don't think trading it, is 100% the best option right now just because of how high that pick is and how deep the draft is. 
You do. I mean, you're going to bank on not picking fourth, right? <clears throat> That's well, gonna be no. Game, I right? just mean even at 14, which is the lowest they can go. Right. Even at 14, though, it's if that player can come in and play right away, absolutely. Or even you know, next season. You, or even next, yeah. It just depends, I guess. You have to have your scouting department completely ready to know what they're getting at 14. Just understand that can he be NHL ready this season, next season? If it's any further out, can it? Can it? It's going to be also just a calculated risk considering who would be taken out of the lineup. Who's going where? How many people are <clears throat> staying, leaving? What can we do with certain contracts? There's only 12 spots in the forward court. There's only six spots in defense. Mm-hmm. you got to fill them out, and a lot of them are filled already. Nah. It's just a matter of now getting to the moves. Are they, though? Are they filled already? I mean, you have only one top six spot remaining. Like, I will say that. Obviously, Raquel, Gensel, and... Not Zucker. Who's he? Why can't I think? Rust, because he had... You can always forget Rust. Don't worry. Yeah, because right now he had the worst season of the wingers. But that bottom six, I mean, you could make the case that they need an entire new third line. Of course you could. You could make an entire case that they need... Uh, you could make a case that they need an entire new bottom six. Well, not not to just replace, but I mean, there's there's a third line worth of holes. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I, they have plenty of holes to fill still, even on the, on the forward side. And whether they trade the pick or not they're gonna have to fill those holes this summer with much better players than they did last summer so uh it's a conversation that we're probably gonna have several times especially around may 8th when the draft lottery goes off but let's move over to the last portion of this before we head to segment number two a salary dump uh is an interesting case there that we didn't really talk much about which players on this team are you willing to part with the first round pick to get rid of to get their contract off the books would you strap them to the first round pick i have four names here just give me a yes or no and a short explanation first mm-hmm. mikhail granlin who we've already tossed around a bit yeah we tossed that one around a bit i believe you even said strapping the first round pick to him for half retained even we would be taking yeah last episode we would need I, d- I did say return. that yeah well yeah we would need something better in return than just nothing but uh you know, so far, I think we're on board with that as well. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I guess so, yeah. Jeff Carter. <laughs> Best of luck, but yeah, absolutely. At, at any and all costs, get Jeff Carter off the lineup. I mean, if you're a rebuilding team and you say, uh, we have one year of Jeff Carter and we know we're not going to do anything next year and we get a first round pick, yeah, I'll take it, especially if it's 14th overall. Now, would I trade Jeff Carter? And the 14th overall selection for nothing, again, no. You don't trade anything for nothing. That's not what you do to be a good general manager. If the pick coming back, I mean, if it's a player, great, fine, as long as it's not a big problem. If the pick coming back is third round, I think about it. If it's second round, I do it. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, this gets into the territory of we're trading our problems away. For nothing, like for 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 happiness in return, and that doesn't happen all the time. Usually, you have to eat some crow, especially if you're. I mean, the first round pick would be pretty significant, but still. Uh, the other Jeff, Jeff Petrie, would you trade a first round pick to get rid of Jeff Petrie? You see that one, I stumble on. I know he's thirty five. I know he makes a lot of money for another two seasons. I just maybe I'm just you know naive. And saying I think there's still something you can wring out of him. 
I don't think I would, but he's gotta he's gotta really do something this year or become deadline fodder. I would do it with this caveat. The Penguins have to take no salary in return. Whether that's retaining salary or if it's a player coming back, it, it needs to be draft capital at that point. Because Jeff Petrie's, what, $6.2 million off the books, clean, is a massive move. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins have under $20 million in cap space. They need to fix their defense. They need an entirely new goaltending tandem, basically. Like, you could go back to Tristan Jari, but you need to fix the backup situation then. Or you could go somewhere else and maybe keep the backup. Like, the goaltending is going to take some money this summer. And let's not forget the bottom six is not good. And the Penguins are going to need a top six winger because Jason Zucker either is going to resign or they're going to have to find somebody else to do that because there's nobody else in the organization right now that I would put at the top six to start next season. So yes, I would trade Jeff Petrie for the first round pick, but the Penguins cannot take any salary back or retain any salary in that instance. For sure. <laughs> Last one, Jan Ruda before we head to break. I think Jan Ruda is just a movable deal. I don't think you need to strap anything to him. I know it's two more years. It's at an awkward number of 275, and he's 32 years old, sitting at, uh, you know, probably third-line position. But he's got two cups. You can kind of convince people around that, hey, it's – you take him. I'm sure that's a movable deal if you really tried hard enough. Might I... not get much in return, but you don't need to strap anything to him. Yeah, I'm not using the first-round pick to get rid of Jan Ruda, mainly because I don't mind if Jan Ruda is back with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That too. Yeah. I don't think he had that bad of a season. I know a lot of people got on him because he did have stretches of inconsistent play where it did sometimes look very bad. Like, it did. There were points yeah. in the season where you were like, man, why is Jan Ruda on this team? But I will say, clearly not a player that you should be trading a 14th overall pick to get rid of. And even trading him around the league... I'm not sure what the what the value would be around the NHL, but if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, I would much rather get rid of Jeff Petrie and make Jan Ruda your second-pairing defenseman on the right side. I said that yesterday on Penguins to go. I went into it for like 18 minutes on trading Jeff Petrie, but I, I don't hate Jan Ruda returning to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a year two. Yeah, I don't hate that either. Totally fine. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into Gomes's Penguins mailbag question right after this one. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're doing our mailbag episode here as Gomes Damon on YouTube asks, assuming the fourth line is DOC, Drew O'Connor, Ryan Paling, and Jeff Carter, who should the Penguins try to sign or trade for as a third line center? And Horwat, before you give any answer... I want to make sure that you're aware Jason Megna is available this summer. Oh, good. Goody. Um, I truly have not looked into this at all, just because obviously I think the first priority is going to be goaltending. It should be. Mm -hmm. out, it should be the organization's first priority outside of finding a general manager willing who knows what it takes to win. Uh, when it comes to a third-line center, though, I don't know... 
I'm excited to hear your names because I haven't thought of too many. Um, and don't even know what direction to take it in because mm. Paling was put at was put on the third line by necessity. And wasn't totally terrible, but that's just not the right role for him right now. It's the way we looked yeah. at Teddy Bluger a couple seasons ago. One day, for sure, he could be. It's a matter of growing into it now. Um, all I know is that for my third line center, I want somebody younger than 40. <laughs> younger than 40, yeah, that's that's fair. I'm pretty sure there's only one player in the NHL over the age of 40 right now, and it's Craig Anderson. Who and could he's be. retiring. Is he retiring? Yes. Did they come out with that? I, I missed it. I, I believe must, he did. I must have missed that. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, you know what, actually, uh, I could do another season. Like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try another season. I mean, Craig Anderson does have the highest save percentage in the NHL since 2010 in the postseason. Well, he's not in it this year, so it doesn't go down at all. It does not. But he had a lot of good seasons with the Ottawa Senators. Let's not forget that. Uh, my top three that just initial look like I haven't done any deep research into these guys but when I look at the crop of free agent centers these three names are the ones that stuck out to me as potential fits for the Pittsburgh Penguins again no real deep research didn't do much video research yet or film yet initial top three first one is Andreas Athanasiu he had 20 goals and 40 points in Chicago this season. We've talked a lot already in the one week since the season ended that the Pittsburgh Penguins need to get younger and faster. Athanasiu is under that 30-year-old benchmark, and he is certainly somebody that would bring a lot of speed to the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you remember correctly, it was last Tuesday that Andreas Athanasiu's speed completely ended the Pittsburgh seasons against the Chicago Blackhawks as he embarrassed Tristan Jari with that weird third goal in the third period. <sighs> Yeah, I, you're, I like Athanasio as a choice. Remember, I can remember days where we were talking of trading for him or signing him in last, his last uh, contract expiration. That's a great choice as well. Yeah, I, I really like the way that he plays the game because he just plays it at 100 miles an hour all the time. And, I mean, the guy was a 20-goal scorer. I get that it was in Chicago, and you risk you know, the potential of doing the same thing you did with Alex Nylander, where Alex Nylander was perfectly serviceable. Great AHLer, decent NHL talent, mainly a borderline player, and he had a really good season with Chicago Blackhawks when they were not good. So is Andreas Athanasiu the same thing? No, I think he's more above that replacement level player at the NHL level, but I, I do think that you run the risk of him not being a 20-goal scorer when he comes to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great speed you could utilize. That's great goal scoring. It's you're pinning him down in the lineup a little, but it's still a worthwhile player. Yeah, he played on the second line to end the season for the Chicago Blackhawks. So he is going to take a lesser role, which means his numbers will take a dip regardless. Uh, but I think that speed and his hands are a reason that I would I would look at him as potentially being the third-line center. Yeah, absolutely. Another name that I have is, is somebody that we looked at at the trade deadline this year, and the Pittsburgh Penguins ultimately obviously didn't go after, is Avarn Barbashev. 16 goals, 45-point split between St. Louis and Vegas. Obviously still playing as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights right now in the postseason. I like the way that he plays the game. I think that he's a good bottom six guy. He has some talent. He has a little bit of foot speed. And again, under that benchmark of 30 years old. I'm not going to say any names. I might say one name, just to ask your opinion. But most of the names I'm going to go after are under the age of 30 this summer. That's another good name. Uh, that was... Supposed to be the top priority, <clears throat> excuse me, for depth centers anyway, right? And then One of the when we names, struck yeah. out on that, it was bringing back Nick Benino, which 
you know, good a good trade for the vibes and the feels, but not great for the performance, and then very unfortunate for the ending. That nostalgia is a hell of a drug, Horwat. It is, but man, does did that crash hit us hard? Yeah. Um, that being said, it's another great choice. I think most of the players that were dealt this summer and traded this summer, or sorry, this deadline. Um, if they're on expiring deals and they're not planning on re-signing, could be are good free agent options. You know, it's you mentioned Barbashev. There's also Max Domi that's floating around out there. There's Ryan O'Reilly if you truly wanted to. There's um, quite a couple of options in terms of mm-hmm. players that went to a team, maybe planned as a rental or things just didn't work out following their trade and they're going to hit the fruit they're going to hit the open market there's a ton of names that could also be possibilities and barbershev should be among those names that's a perfect role for him depth center nothing higher just because we don't know if he can perform at a higher rate uh and but that's exactly what the penguins need mm-hmm. uh, one other name that i have here and i'm not gonna get too deep into it because it's another name that i looked at at the trade deadline hoping the pittsburgh penguins would reach out for pious Suter. 14 goals, 24 points in Detroit. Doesn't bring as much of an offensive punch as the other two names that I mentioned, but really good on the penalty kill. Does bring a lot of foot speed and has a little bit of an underlying physical aspect to his game. Uh, Not too much, but a little bit. Sort of like a Mark Friedman type there. Um, Again, somebody that I think the Pittsburgh Penguins should at the very least do their due diligence on and somebody that I think would bring a little bit more than what they saw last season at their bottom six. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I haven't looked into him really at all. It's a new name in the league, it feels like, doesn't it? He's only 27. He played for Chicago Um, before Detroit, so he's kind of floating around the original six teams. So you'd have to take him out of that and send him to the second six. That is what it is. (laughs) I don't don't hate that name either. The numbers aren't fully there, but then again, Detroit was a very weird team. It definitely got better, but the numbers, probably their numbers, didn't uh, exceed expectations. Um. That is, an, that is an intriguing choice. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, I think by looking at this list of names, I've come up with a couple more if you want to give another piece on Sutter, and then I can jump in. Uh, I actually have one more name on for you. Yeah. Over the age of 30, he is 34 years old, will be an unrestricted free agent. He is the husband of Heather, the father of Hannah, and the brother of Eric and Mark. You're going to say Jordan Stahl? I am going to say Jordan Stahl. Would you be interested in a return of the Penguins' third-line center from the 2009 Cup run and the last first-round pick that the Penguins have owned to be higher than 14? So, I think I'd be for it. It'd be flying into the face of uh, wanting to get a younger, faster center for this team. But man, like I said with that Nick Benino thing, it's all of the vibes. It's all of the feels from 2009. Not even your recent memory feels, right? It is the 2009 era. It is him being the first line center in 2011 for the postseason. (laughs) There's a lot of ah, different feels that come with it. I would say no, personally, for A... Getting the man back together never works. Never works. It just doesn't. I, You're right, it'd be fun. 
I mean, and I think the only time we're gonna all be saying yes with one voice about bringing a player back is Flurry, and that's just because we yeah we're sure he knows his role at this point. He's thirty eight. Um, but also B, I mean. Jordan Stahl played here for... I was thinking about this the other day. He only played here for really five years, right? One, six. Yeah, for like six seasons. He's been in Carolina a lot longer than that. You know, you think he probably views Carolina more of his home than uh, the place where he started his career. <clears throat> Not that he didn't have great memories or build, or build his career in Pittsburgh here, but um, surely... 11, 12 years removed from his last season here. Uh, I'm sure his mood is switched to, I'm now the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes. Depending on what they do this summer too, or this spring in the playoffs, they're not going to want to get rid of him either. They'll they'll throw, they'll throw a blank check at him and say, we'll figure it out. You're our captain. You always did our cup for us. And now you're staying here. It's... It's kind of a different situation than what it was in 2012. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to bringing Jordan Stahl back. He currently makes $6 million against the salary cap. That number is going to go down, right? He's not going to make $6 million at the age of 34. But I will say he does bring some consistent goal scoring. He's not a foot speed guy. He's never been a foot speed guy, really. He had the long strides back in 2008. The the really long stick is what everybody liked to talk about for Jordan Stahl. Of course, he centered that fantastic line between Kennedy and Cook. But, I mean, 17 goals this season, 17 goals last season, 16 goals the season before. He's been really good for the Carolina Hurricanes. And what has he done against the Pittsburgh Penguins every single time? He scored in the net front. What do the Pittsburgh Penguins need to do better score in the net front. So am I completely against Jordan Stahl, even though he's at the age of 34 and you want the Pittsburgh Penguins to get younger, you want the Pittsburgh Penguins to get faster. When I look at this team and I look at the bottom six, it's going to be hard to just make them that way. Maybe this is a transition time for the Pittsburgh Penguins bottom six. And while Jordan Stahl doesn't have the foot speed, I do think he still has the size and the talent to be a good NHL third-line center. And if you're bringing him in to do that, I don't hate this move for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not a move I thought of before literally today, but I really wouldn't hate if they brought Jordan Stahl back. Now, how does Jordan Stahl feel about coming back to Pittsburgh? I don't know, because remember, it wasn't the most amicable breakup between the Penguins and Stahl, but a lot of time has passed. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of time has passed since then, though. That's true too, and and that's kind of why I went into went into that too. Like, yeah, a lot of time has passed where he's been one of the best players and one of the greatest leaders uh, in that franchise's history. That includes the Hartford portion of that franchise. He's up there as a leader. Um, it's it'd be an interesting one. I'm not totally against it either. You're right. I'm not totally against it. There are just parts that kind of make me hesitate. But I think that would just kind of go for most people, would it not? Yeah, when you're thinking of bringing back a 34-year-old, when people already have the the view of the Pittsburgh Penguins that they're old and slow, it, it's not going to be a good move on paper for a lot of fans to look at. Because they're going right. to say, wow, you're bringing the band back together. Cool, I guess. But like, who asked for this? I do think that right now Jordan Stahl is a better player than Nick Benino, though. 
Absolutely. a lot of people were happy to see Nick Benito back in the lineup. We were, but I, uh, we were, we were. I just think there was also a sense of if he's not in the lineup, he's not in the lineup. It is what it is until he got hurt. And then it was a little bit of a different situation, but um, I think it could be interesting. I'm intrigued by it, but not fully sold. I got a couple of names here. I said two of them already uh, in Max Domi and Ryan O'Reilly because they were trade pieces that might not return with the teams that they're on. But in Max Domi's case especially, I feel like he wants to go back to Chicago. You never know. Um, but thoughts on those two before I say a third name because I have a question with the third name. Ryan O'Reilly... I don't hate that name, and I know we talked a lot about Ryan O'Reilly before he was dealt to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would go that direction. Max Domi, you know how I feel about Max mm-hmm. Domi. I love Max Domi, and younger, faster. He's a prick, and I think the Penguins need more of those as well. I think they need to get a little bit more of an edge to them. I think they need to start protecting their own a little bit better, which is the most old man yells at clouds take that I will have about the Pittsburgh Penguins, is that I'm never going to call them soft. Because these are professional athletes that could knock your lights out in a second, right? But, because they're not soft. But they don't protect their own enough to me. I would like to see them get a little bit more aggressive, especially when Sidney Crosby continues to take cross-checks to the back and, and nobody turns around and he has to get up and fight for himself when nobody else is there. So that's that's something that in the back of my head, I'm not changing the landscape of the team to fix, right. but Max Domi is a nice middle ground there. Another name that there is, is Tyler Bertuzzi, but he's not a center. True, but that's also another great choice, especially for a bottom six that needs a little grit. So my third one here, uh, because I also like the idea of Ryan O'Reilly and uh, Max Domi, both great options. Uh, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly's a little older and slower, but you know what? Captain pedigree, championship pedigree. What uh, I know that's a played out thing in Pittsburgh, but he's at least a good, a very good player that could be used as a third line center. This third one, I need to preface this with: what exactly is going on with Sean Monahan? Because I like that name a lot. He's 28. I believe he hasn't played since December. Is he? Is he, Is it an injury? He also played for Montreal. I I can't tell you what's going on with Sean Man- Monahan, but I can tell you I don't want anything to do with that wild basket of eggs that you never know which one you're going to pick up. Fair, that's and that's totally fair enough as well. It's not I a mean, roller coaster you, I want to get on personally. I I can totally understand that as well. I just it's obviously for one it is a namesake in this league. He was the captain if I'm not mistaken. Of, no, but no. first line center for. Uh, the Calgary Flames for a long time. He was the associate um, captain under Giordano. Yeah, I forgot Giordano was there forever. Um, but was there for a long time, really made his name as a pretty underrated player. I mean, multiple 60-point seasons, an 80-point in there, um, all with Calgary, yeah, playing alongside Johnny Goudreau, but uh, was a driving force for a Calgary Flames team that never found their footing, ever. Um, if he's healthy enough and can stick into a third line role, you're right. It's a basket of eggs. You never really know what's go- what you're going to get. <clears throat> um, that's an option. It is. And Gomes, I hope you enjoyed. We'll answer your second question after a quick break. But uh, we gave you about half dozen names there. Now, again, 
These are prospected names at a point where the Penguins don't even have a general manager. So we don't know what type of player to be looking at, except what player we think would fit in the Pittsburgh Penguins system, would fit with the style of play that they have, and would make the bottom six better. So those are just a few names, of course, very early in the process of the offseason. We'll continue to dissect these names, do a little bit more research, do a little bit more data driving, and do a little bit more film research as well, and we'll get you more names throughout the offseason. But... We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish Gomes' second part of his question, and we're going to talk a little bit about replacing Brian Dumlin. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're doing our mailbag episode here just one week after the end of the Pittsburgh Penguins 2022-23 season. Uh, we want to finish off Gomes' two-part question here before we move over to Evan Elliott's. Uh, Gomes asked, as the second part of his question about the centers, is there a way under Mike Sullivan that Jeff Carter becomes the fifth center, a.k.a the 13th forward it's hard to do you'd have to find four centers that really catch mike sullivan's eyes we have two we have possibly three um and now it's a matter of finding those last couple mm -hmm. it's not easy i don't know how possible it is especially considering the money um but i think it, it's it's possible but extremely difficult I'm going to say yes. Just yes, there is a way. It's, I think, more chance next season than there is this season. It's been a slow progression, but you can see that Mike Sullivan was losing patience with Jeff Carter this season, especially after the NHL trade deadline. Hence, Carter spending most of that time as the fourth-line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins and even moving over to wing when Mikhail Granlin initially came over and became the third-line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins before he just crapped the bed and needed to be put somewhere else. The Penguins just need to get more options for Mike Sullivan because that was the big issue throughout this season was who are you going to put there? Paling struggled with health early in the season. We saw at the end of the year when he finally got healthy, he finally found his footing. He was above Jeff Carter in the lineup. Sam Poulan, how's he going to progress this summer? Could he be a guy that could really fight for a roster spot out of camp next season? We saw him make his NHL debut. He played a handful of games this season. Does he make that progression through the summer and fight Jeff Carter for that last position? If he's good enough to do that and there's options, you could see Carter starting at wing. And I could see Carter being the 13th forward in that aspect. Now, also, the Pittsburgh Penguins, like we talked about in the last segment, could go out and get a third-line center. I think that's what they need to do. They need better options because we talked about it on Tuesday's episode. You cannot go into next season with your depth center core being Carter, Paling, and Granlund. Like, that's not good enough. That's why they need to address it outside of this organization. But I will say there's a chance that even inside the organization, with the way Carter has deteriorated through the season... And the thought process of Mike Sullivan kind of losing interest in playing Carter in those bigger roles and finally starting to play him in lesser roles, lesser time on ice. I think there is very much a possibility that next year you see him 
healthy scratched more often. By more often, I mean at least once where he wasn't at all this season. And potentially just coming into the season as the 13th forward. Yeah, I think you just got to give Sullivan that that option. That's all. As simple as that, but you also have to make sure he likes the option as well. I think yeah. we know... We, we, he pro- Sullivan proved a little bit this year he can be stubborn. Yeah, Just of course. it is. I a mean, lot of head coaches are in the NHL. Yeah, it's... There would just seem to be a little bit more of it this year with Sullivan than years past. I mean, he's coming off of a year where he should have been up for the Jack Adams. Let's just be honest. This year, nowhere near that discussion. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that's not going to deter anyone from thinking he's not a great coach in this league and not a great coach for this team. You just have to give him the options to make those kind of moves. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Hextall would have ever moved on from Jeff Carter, but there is a chance... I mean, there's always a slight chance. I'm going to say I'm going to put a 5% chance on it. If it's odds, it's plus 1,000 that Jeff Carter is not with the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. Or sorry, minus 1,000. Sorry. Completely off. If it was plus 1,000, it'd be like, oh, give me, give me. Yeah. Oh, no. Plus, I don't know. I'm. It's early in the morning. Betting odds are, are not working in my mind. It would be plus 1,000 for that to happen, not minus. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I do think there's a real possibility that Jeff Carter becomes the fifth line center or the 13th forward. I got to be careful not to say the fifth line too many times on here, but uh, hey, we're going to move over and talk a little bit about Brian Dumlin because Evan Elliott asks, who are you looking at to replace Brian Dumlin on the top pairing? Does it need to be a young up and comer or are you okay with an older veteran who can still do the job? Horwat? What are your thoughts? Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an in-house solution in my eyes. Not fully. <clears throat> the outside options are always available. Uh, but when it comes to a Dumoulin replacement on that first line, I believe you just stick it to Marcus Patterson. You give you slap him with that title. He's earned it this year. He played up there a couple times, you know. Injuries got in the way, but that's the way it is sometimes, <clears throat> he's proven he can perform there. He's, he had a great season this year. Uh, for the first time in a long time, we're discussing Marcus Pedersen as staying on this team and not being trade bait for anybody. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then, just everywhere else you fill out the lineup, it, or at least on the left side of the defense, I should say, is P.O. Joseph and Ty Smith. Bang, bang, boom, you're done. Left side of the defense is figured out. It's young, it's fast. It's not very defensive-minded, but um, that's something that you could fix in an offseason. I feel like everybody's opinion of P.O. Joseph is too negative. I believe that too, yeah. Because I'm all, I'm all on board with P.O. Joseph being a second-line defenseman in this league. Because, yeah, he started to fade a little bit towards the end of the season, but let's not forget, this was his first first full 82 game season as an NHLer. He's still young. I'm not sure why. I mean, we've seen on countless occasions examples of defensemen that take a little bit longer to get their feet underneath them at the NHL level. That used to be the lay of the land. Your Chris Letang's were not too frequent. Like those is situations where they came in at the age of 20, 21 and were great within a year. That doesn't happen. That didn't always used to happen, I should say. It happens a lot more now. Obviously, 
Luke Hughes, you just saw, made his NHL debut for the, the New Jersey Devils at the end of the season. Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Miro Haskinen, these guys are coming in and playing really well really early. And that's the trend that you're starting to see. But that doesn't mean that the old way of doing things, that doesn't mean that players that take a little bit longer are going to be any worse off if you just stay with them and hold true to that. Look at John Marino. The Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, he was he was pretty good for them. At the age of 23 and 24, P.O. Joseph is 24, right? He's one year younger than Marino, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I don't have it in front of me, so I might be mistaken. But I'm pretty sure he's one year younger than Marino. You're telling me if he takes a similar jump from now to next year that Marino took from last year to this year going to the New Jersey Devils? I understand the Devils are a much better team on defense than the Pittsburgh Penguins. I get that. But I feel like you have to look at P.O. Joseph's season and see it for what it was. It was his rookie year. He impressed at some points. He didn't impress in other points. Finding that consistency is all part of maturing as an NHL defenseman. And I think that he is still capable of being a top four defenseman in this league and a top four defenseman for this team. So with that, yes, I do understand bumping up Marcus Pedersen. I do like that. I mean, he led... All Penguins defensemen this year in expected goals percentage, 56.12%, and in high danger chances at 55.7%. He was the Penguins' best defensive defenseman this season. So yeah, give him a shot. But if you want to try to, to figure something else out, there are a couple names out there on the market. Now, these are names that a lot of teams are going to be courting. So the price is going to go higher. Remember that. I don't want an aging veteran. I know that was part of the question from Evan. Do you want an older veteran who can still do the job? No, I don't. You're going to have to bring me a good example that I will like for me to say that. I'm not going to search out an aging veteran. Most of the time when I'm looking right now, I'm looking at people with a two that begin in their, their age. I don't want a three. I want a two. And I certainly don't want a four. Vladislav Gavrikov is, is obviously going to be one of the biggest names on the market this summer. He was expensive at the deadline, so what number is he looking for? And of course, Jeff Merrick reported that he declined to engage in contract negotiations with the Kings immediately after the trade. Now, that was a couple months ago. I doubt that they would have sparked contract negotiations in the middle of the playoffs, so who knows if he's looking to stick around in LA this year. I think some of that remains to be seen based on how far they go in the playoffs and how he likes playing in that atmosphere in the playoffs in LA. So that's an option. The top name for me, and I already mentioned the Devils have a great defense core. The top name for me, and it, it's kind of a close your eyes and hope and know that it's probably not going to happen, is Ryan Graves. <laughs> I really loved Ryan Graves when he was on Colorado, which is when he had the best season of his career was his last year in Colorado. Goes over to New Jersey, takes a little bit of a hit, but started building that defense core the same time Dougie Hamilton got there. And now you look at the New Jersey Devils as one of the best defenses from one to six in the NHL. He is a big part of that. But you're handing out the bag to bring Graves in. I'd love to see Ryan Graves and Chris Letang as the top pairing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I would. That's a name that probably, among anything else other than maybe a top-tier goaltender, would make me the most excited this summer is Ryan Graves. But again, a name that I don't expect the Penguins to be able to get because of their current salary cap situation and how many other holes they're going to need to fill. 
Yeah. And someone's going to pay the farm for Ryan Graves. Oh, yeah. He he only makes like $4 million this year. He's going to get... That. He's gonna get upwards of five and a half, six. He's 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 making three point one right now, so that's he, someone's gonna just hand him the blank check. Maybe you can get him for five, maybe. maybe. But again, if you're getting a five million dollar defenseman, then that's five for him, four for Pedersen, six for Latang, six point two for Petrie, two point seven for Ruda. It's still expensive and. While Graves is great, and I think he makes your defense better, I think it's still a little bit of an overpay for a defense that's not going to give you as great a returns, especially if Jeff Petrie stays at the level he was this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I know we're having a ton of discussion about the about how the defense in Pittsburgh needs adjusted and revamped, and suddenly I'm looking at it and going, well, I mean, we just replaced Dumoulin with Pedersen. We just bumped from the, in, from the inside. And then that's mostly it, because I also vouched for Petrie not too long ago. So, yeah, you're right. This defense does need revamped, but I, I, I'm i not I'm not taking too hard of looks at free agent defensemen. In-house fixes are perfectly okay as well, especially when Ty Smith is one of them. I mean, Ryan Graves is a fun option as well. I do like that. Um, the other name you said, Gavrikov. He's another one that, depending on how this... Uh, this uh, playoffs goes for the Kings. It, winning does a lot to change things. <laughs> yes, it does. They make it past the Oilers. Who, who knows how far they go? Uh, suddenly, Gavrikov's looking at a nice, big, long deal in Los Angeles and liking it. Um, so I'm not putting too much say into free agent defensemen, at least on the left side. At least on the left side. If you, I haven't looked into the right side yet, but if you are able to find a way out from Petrie, yeah, um, that's that's the big asterisk there. Yeah, then you have a plethora of options, I'm sure. So yeah, as of now, I'm saying it's an in-house fix. That's just in my eyes. I will say, although I, I did just kind of pound the table for P.O. Joseph at the beginning of this segment a little bit, I don't want to see a P.O. Joseph Ty Smith pairing. I don't think that would work. No, I mean they're both lefties, right? Ty Smith can play either side, but yes. uh, well, then play him on the left side. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would prefer Ty Smith to be the third pairing left shot defenseman. And if you could pair him with Jan Ruda, that'd be great. Uh, if you paired Joseph with Jan Ruda, I think that worked well at the beginning of the season. And I think Jan Ruda and Pio Joseph both had a similar issue that last season where they didn't find consistent partners because they were the guys that were moving most. Injury, one of those guys were moving. Like, P.O. Joseph played on the top pairing. He played on the second pairing. He played on the third pairing. And same thing with Jan Ruda. I mean, not as much on the top pairing because only when both Petrie and Latang were out was he up there. But there were some games. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. The Pittsburgh Penguins are going to have uh, plenty of things to do this offseason, whoever gets hired as the general manager. Uh, that search continues. We will continue to update you as news comes out, but not many things have come out in the past couple of days. Uh, Rob Rossi put out a piece about Kyle Dubas, so I know that that's the big name. So go check that out in The Athletic. Uh, check out everything at InsideThePenguins.com because that is also fantastic reporting, fantastic writing, and fantastic speaking, as you can also find the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and Penguins to Go at InsideThePenguins.com as well. But that's going to do it for this one. Thank you to everybody that submitted questions. We're going to hope to do this mailbag a couple times this offseason, so hopefully you're ready to ask more questions a little bit later in the year. And we will be back next week 
with a brand new episode of the tip of the iceberg. That's it for this one. We'll see you next time.